Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I'm Nina Turner, your host, and in the co-host chair today is Dan Evans, a political commentator who is often on TYT shows, kicking the knowledge. Dan, it's so great to have you here on the show today. It's great to be with you to break down this really Finally, it's the only time you can really talk about the debt ceiling and it matters because there's supposedly a deal. The rest is just political fodders we'll get into, but can't wait to break it down with you. Cannot wait to break it down. So as Dan just laid out, a debt ceiling deal has been reached and it's not good if you are on the poorer side, the working class side of the ledger. But if you are in the ultra, ultra, ultra wealthy, baby, this deal, this dealing debacle is actually working for you. This headline right here, US debt ceiling deal. What has to happen now to get it passed? So we know we're dealing with a divided Congress right now. The Republicans control the House, the Democrats control the Senate and the presidency. So you know the tensions are flaring and this is what has to happen. Lawmakers are scrambling to push through Biden McCarthy deal by June 5th to avoid a default disaster. Now they knew this was coming, really. So don't let this theater fool you like they were working hard, they were sweating it out. They wait until the 11th hour all the time to really push something through like this. They knew that this was part of their homework. They get a big F for taking so long. The United States has days before it runs out of time to pay its bills. I mean, these are the realities right now and avoid a first ever national default. Washington lawmakers are scrambling to push through a deal that would temporarily suspend the US debt limit, averting a potential disaster for domestic and global economy. This reporting coming from The Guardian. But again, sisters and brothers and family and friends, they already knew this. So don't have warm and fuzzy feelings about these folks. They pushed it to this brink just to have this theater right here. And Dan and I are gonna talk about the theater. The debt ceiling, which caps the amount of debt. We just wanna walk you all through just to refresh some memories. And for some people watching, this may be brand new for you. But the debt ceiling, which caps the amount of debt the US can hold currently sits at $31.4 trillion. The US hit that limit in January. Since then, the Treasury has taken extraordinary measures to prevent prevent a default. Now, just a reminder, we're asking the government, the federal government to pay for bills that it owes. Like this is money we've already expended. So this again is not new. Now, dealing with the debt ceiling is about paying that debt. And let's lay out some examples of what type of debt we're talking about because I want us to all operate from this base knowledge right here. So we're talking about federal employee salaries, the military, Social Security benefits, Medicare, interest on national debt, and tax refunds. Now, there's a whole longer list than the one that we're laying out today, but these are just some key things that we're talking about. So it's important to note the deal would keep. Now, this is this is it, and this is where Dan and I really gonna lay this out for you. The deal would keep non-defense spending roughly the same for fiscal year 2024 and raise it by one percent. In fiscal year 2025. Again, I want to repeat the deal would keep non defense spending there. The bill would also place new restrictions on SNAP benefits, limiting the number of individuals eligible for food stamps, and then unspent emergency aid related to COVID 19 pandemic, totaling about $30 billion, will also be returned to 
the government. I want you to rest right there. Dan, let's bring in Dan. So Dan, I, you know, for me, I mean, this is a lot to unpack, and you are one of the best people to unpack this with. First of all, the whole notion that only military expend expenditures are going to be able to arise, but domestic type spending is going to stay where it is and only go up 1% in 2025. I mean, for me right there, that's a non-starter. Your thoughts? I mean, it's not only a non-starter, it's worse than that. Because as we've been talking about, one of the bigger stores in the economy this year is inflation. So if the nominal like dollar amount that we're going over is rising by like 3%, 4% every single year. If we're only increasing the budget by 1%, that actually means, and that's not some random surprise we just figured out on TYT here. Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy know this. That means that spending is going to effectively be cut in all of those non-defense areas that we just mentioned there. That means people's access to government services, that means people's jobs. I remember back during the Obama administration, my brother got furloughed because he worked for the government. And they're just like, yeah, sorry, we ran out of money, we can't pay you, which is ridiculous in any other kind of business sense. But these politicians will do it, and they'll do it, like you said, in this theatrical kind of way that pushes it towards the very end, not because uh, of course not, because the country uh, is better for it. But so they, they could use it as a negotiating tactic and a leverage tactic. So the Republican Party can go, oh, you wouldn't actually let us default, right? Would you? You wouldn't actually let us do that. And the Democrats cave in every single time when it's totally unnecessary. Every single time. And negotiations 101, you don't start in the middle. You start all the way out so that by the time you all come to agreement that you get a little something, they get a little something. But if you already start capitulating, which the Democrats do every single time, the Republicans, even though they only control, Dan, and this is, they only control one chamber, one levers, one lever, and that's the House of Representatives. Not small, but Democrats control the Senate and they control the presidency. And yet the GOP find themselves winning politically. Meanwhile, back in the hoods and people who watch Unbossed, you hear me talk about the hoods all the time. The rural hoods, the urban hoods, the suburban hoods. I'm talking about where Big Mama and Big Papa live. They are the ones who are losing. Why is it that every time some type of negotiation happens, it is on the backs of the people who need government to work the most? See, that's the question. Riddle me that. See, that, that's the question I want these elected leaders on the congressional level to answer. But they can't answer that. And they're gonna go do all these press conferences and, and pat their heads like they've been sweating it out and sweating bullets and like they've been really working very hard when the bottom line is we're talking about the same coin, just two different sides. I want y'all to understand this America and it doesn't matter what side, how you rocking country, a little bit of rock and roll, R&B, a little gospel, something in between. We want you to understand that this situation right here where number one was avoidable and number two does not benefit you and what you love. You may think that it does, but it absolutely does not. So Dan and I are gonna talk about how everyday Americans are going to suffer as a result of this deal debacle. And that is exactly what it is. So no matter what you hear the other talking heads say, and these politicians that's gonna get out there and justify this nonsense, this foolishness and mayhem, 
everyday people in this country are going to lose. So if you want to know what the priorities of any government, whether it be local government, regional, state or federal, all you got to do sisters and brothers and family and friends is follow the damn money. So let's put up with Dr. Derek Hamilton had to say. He is an internationally known stratification economist and he runs the Institute on Race, power and political economy. And Dr. Darity laid it out this way. Again, the interests of the poor, those with the least economic and political power is compromised for a deal. I want y'all to rest right there. Okay, understand that. Let wrap your mind around that, right? Is 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 compromised for a deal. Work requirements for a basic right to food is cruel and immoral. Publicity imposed labor market distortion. It should be considered bad and equated 20th century policy. And so Dr. Hamilton is responding to what was said that this deal would be about, which Jeff Stein from the Wash Poll laid it out, summary of the deal as I understand it. This is at the time he put out the tweet, debt ceiling raised for two years, domestic programs frozen next year up to 1%. Uh, boost defense, VA money, some tightening of work requirements on TANF and SNAP, energy permitting and claw back some new IRS money. So let's put let's put Dan up to talk. Let's just talk. I mean, Dr. Darity, Dan, hit the nail on the head. If people don't remember anything else, this is the Cliff Nose version, as far as I'm concerned, coming from a stratification economist who understands how public policy determines livelihoods. That's it for the most part, not 100% of it, but a whole lot of it. And how that public policy power is being used to the detriment of everyday people in this country. Your thoughts? No, that's exactly right. Um, I also love that he uh, works on political economy because that's a focus I particularly had because political science and economics are usually taught as though they're not related. and. You don't have to go to college or know any of these $5 words to know that it's very related. It affects all of our lives every single day in the working class in the United States. And so what he is saying here, again, to reiterate, and it's really important to capture, is that our politicians have no problem, very little problem. Even They're not even worried about the fact that they vote all the time to sacrifice the working class, to sacrifice the people of color, to sacrifice where there are actual numbers in the voting base. Because yeah, partially they don't care, partially it's like a class thing with them because they're only catering to elites more of the time when it comes to campaign financing and fundraising. But also, because especially on the Democratic Party side, which is more annoying because you know the Republicans are gonna be ghouls, and they're gonna fight this. But on the Democratic Party side, there's no, Effort to even try to message it properly, not message it as going, okay, well, I guess we have this debt ceiling issue and you know, we have to pay our bills. That's the other thing, all right, because Republicans will always frame this as Democrats don't want to pay our bills. Everyone else, we, we're all working class, right? Republicans will say this, they're lying. We all have to pay our bills. The only difference between us and the working class and the United States is that the United States prints money. <laughs> like, we, we can't work. We could work three, four, five jobs, whatever. We could still make ends, not make ends meet. But the US government, they can just print money. It's not that easy, it's not that simple. But you can't say that a country has debt the same way the people you are putting into further debt as a uh, Congress have debt. Like it's, it's 
a false argument from the start. And because Democrats don't even want to fight that idea, they've tried, they failed, they don't even care to anymore. I think they like this fight at this point. Again, regular people are suffering. And we need, there's margins in the house even for progressives to stand up, make a little bit of a mess about this. We need that right now because this is past desperate times. Past, and I love how you said they will they will sacrifice working people on the altar. And again, yes, we print the money. So I, I wanna encourage people go and watch some of Dr. Stephanie Kelton's work. Modern monetary theory, and you will understand. She breaks it down to the fundamentals. She breaks it down to even the five-year-old can understand it. The federal government is the issuer of the of the money. I want you to think. I want you to think about the when COVID was at its height. And you know, I talk about this with one of my dear friends all the time. We talk about how the federal government came in, printed this money to deal with the COVID crisis. This is the same concept. So they are lying to you and the truth is not in them when they tell you that they can't take that same concept. Cuz see, they pulling back some of the money that's still there for the COVID emergency cuz they've declared that it's over. But if you ask every average everyday people who are suffering in this country, whether or not they're not suffering anymore, they will tell you hell to the null that they are still suffering. So I want you to think what happened at the height of the pandemic and how the PPP funds and these checks went out and the, and the, and the world is still spending on this axis. The United States is still the hegemonic nation that it was before COVID, it still is right now. I want you to think people, Dan and I want you to think that the same thing can be done in this moment and what the GOP demanded of the Democrats and what they gave them is a red herring. Because they got all the money in the world for the military industrial complex. They ain't got no money and no love and no uplift for the everyday American people in this country. You're being sold out. Now you're absolutely being sold out. So step Dr. Stephanie Kelton, Modern Monetary Theory, look her up, take, get the Cliff Notes version and you can understand that. The United States of America does indeed print money. I want you to get that. Now, Dan brings up, Dan, you brought up a very good point. So I want us to put up with Congresswoman Jayapal, who's the leader of what I call the so-called Progressive Caucus, had to say in an interview. And this, this reporting is coming from Common Dreams, but through a tweet. And my stunt double got in on this action. Jayapal says White House should worry about Progressive Caucus support for debt ceiling deal. Hoping, so that's what she said. Now it's a, it's, what? I mean, the president heretofore has not been worried about any actions that the Progressive Caucus may or may not take. They not even in the equation because they are toothless tiger. So my stunt double in response to what Representative Jayapal had to say, hoping the progressives will give the White House something to worry about. Because up until this point, he has not lost any sleep over congressional progressives. I mean, he's done more of a dance with the shadow president, Joe Manchin, who's even thinking about running. In 2024, than he has done for the progressives. So my question is, what leverage? What leverage possibly could the progressive caucus think that they have in the 11th hour? Because they haven't used it on any other thing. And then I want to add this before Dan comes in. What David Sirota had to say about this: the alternatives were default or House bill is a lie. So Sirota, who's an investigative reporter, he had, he runs the lever. He's laying it out there. The alternatives were default or the House bill is a flat out lie. 
The entire dim spin machine relies on liberals accepting this kind of horse manure and being too dumb to remember basic facts just from a few months ago. We're not even talking about a few years ago, but they depend on our memories being short. A bid by Democrats to raise the US debt ceiling this year is failing. That would not be done this year by reconciliation. It takes too much time, Durbin said in the interview. We have three weeks and there is too much else on the agenda. Like what? Like what? Because they're not doing anything for the American people. You guys, we taking crumbs. Why are these people playing games with lives? Let's put up the next tweet from David Sirota because he laying this out. Pod Save America bros just screaming the car apart out loud. One side, debt limit update, Biden outplays GOP on final deal. The debt limit deal is far from ideal, but it's evidence Biden's strategy is working. In whose world? In the world where people have everything, skip, put Dan up, lead that up, because we about to jump on in there. In whose world though? See, I need them to riddle me this. And for people who will be commenting because you're watching live, Dan and I want to hear from you on this. This is an honest question, Dan, I'm not even trying to be funny. The debt limit deal is far from idea, but it's evidence that Biden's strategies strategy is working. In what world is it working? And on the other side, there are a number of troubling elements, including the provision that will put risk food assistance for very low income older adults. So that's Biden getting the deal done. I'm just trying to interpret this. This policy will increase hunger and policy. Is that what they mean by Biden's strategy is working? That I don't understand it, but maybe you can help me enter the understanding promised land. No, everything from the Democrats that they said there, it's worse than not having a messaging strategy. It's just completely wrong. I remember when Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer were talking about, we've learned some less, like just when he had gotten elected. Oh, we've learned some lessons with the Obama administration. We know how the Tea Party Caucus and the Freedom Caucus really ran roughshod over us with a debt ceiling. And we're really gonna learn those lessons and make sure we do right by the American people. And there really has been no intent to do that. Another last point from what you mentioned earlier was that Overall, you can see a government in any country, wherever they do and what they prioritize based on what is in their budget and what they're doing with that budget. They're cutting money from the IRS because they're caving to Republicans who don't want people in the top 10% to be audited. So we have more revenue in this country in order to pay for our things, which should be the conservative position to do. But then you also have money being taken away from the COVID emergency. And there are people on the left who have disabilities, who are, more susceptible to COVID and it's still an emergency for them. We can't just like leave folks behind because of this absolutely sort of, you know, Democrats deciding, okay, uh, screw this group over here, lightly screw that group over there. It's okay, they'll vote for us because the Republicans are even worse. Let's just lay on that. We can tell you're doing that, Democrats, and it's really sickening and it's really disappointing that those furthest on the left in the Democratic Party aren't standing up and causing as much of a fuss as Kirsten Sinema or Joe Manchin would. Even rhetorically, it needs to be there so that Joe Biden, if he were savvy, he would go, hey, listen to what these lefties are gonna make me do. We gotta go back to the negotiating table and maybe give them some of what they want or else the entire thing goes over. Or even if Joe Biden's not gonna work with you, which is the more likely thing, doesn't matter. He has to answer to that because more people are going to be bringing up that question. Then the press secretary has to talk about it, then media talks about it, and that's how you sway public opinion. But there are Democrats who just don't even seem to be willing to do even that. And that is, it. a lot's on the line.
I was sick. It's immoral. I mean, just ask the Freedom Caucus. You got 20 people in that caucus, and about five of them will stand up and make their demands known. Why can't the so-called progressive caucus? I keep calling them so-called because they haven't shown that they're willing to put anything on the line for the least of these in this country. Not one thing. Not one. So. What has the media been saying about this? Other media, other than us, because we we laying this out for you. Well, let's uh, let's let's take a listen to what Joe Scarborough, former congressman, and has a show on NBC. Let's see what he had to say about what's happening. Let's look at Kevin McCarthy really quickly here. This is Kevin McCarthy, who many many said for quite some time, for good reason, were concerned that he was going to go sideways on supporting freedom fighters in Ukraine. Uh, we heard him shut down. Uh, that Russian uh, reporter said, get out of their country, stop killing their children, stop committing war crimes. And here, you know, the nation's economy was on the line. And, you know, he, he behaved responsibly, Biden behaved responsibly, uh, they were grown ups. And so, again, we should worry uh, about things that we should worry about. But there are days we should wake up and say, you know what? Things are getting done, and uh, it's not always quite as bleak and catastrophic as uh, people who get paid a lot of money to say it is on whether it's cable shows or online or in podcasts or in political speeches or in books. Sometimes grownups are actually in charge in Washington, D.C., and things get done. The question becomes getting done for whom? I mean, if this is grownups, then bring me the kids. Because little kids understand the basic necessities of food, water, and air, all clean. Even kids understand the necessity of their parents having a good job to be able to provide for them. Even kids understand that. So for me, I don't understand what Joe Scarborough is talking about. The adults are at the table. Meanwhile, back in in communities all across this country, people are suffering and hurting and can't even get their basic needs met, seriously? The corporatists are exacerbating inflation. I mean, they just put gasoline on the fire because of their gluttony and greed. And he's saying this is how grownups get it done. Well, you know what? Joe Scarborough is a multimillionaire and no hate and no shade there, none at all. Because when I grow up, none. But I would like to think that I would never forget where I came from. And what it means for big mama and big papa and big somebody to put food on the table to have to work two and three and four and five and six and seven and a hundred jobs. Yeah, I'm laying it out there just to make ends meet and 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 not to have paid family medical sick leave in this country, not to have universal health care to push children. We, we lift them out of poverty as a country and then don't give a damn if they catapulted back there. We don't care if they mamas and they daddies and they play cousins can provide for them. We railroad the rail workers. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, we can have a whole litany of lists. So this is what Scarborough thinks that the that these are adults. Then damn it, bring me the children. Because the children could do so much better. Your thoughts on this, Dan? Yeah, I'll keep it brief because I know there's Lauren Bobert to get to as well. Yeah. Another Republican. But ultimately you can tell. It's really easy. These pundits kind of just wear it on their sleeve when they don't interact with anyone outside of their class group or their friend group, or they don't talk to them on that level of being like, "Oh, hey, I 
for the pod safe people. I used to be um, on the Obama team and the Biden team and I'm very close to them. Or I'm Joe Scarborough and I literally have a quarter zip uh, jacket with my like show's logo in it. And I'm talking about highly paid cables, TV hosts and things like that, the audacity there. But it just shows if you hung around anyone who is in the working class, who's struggling right now, who doesn't know if uh, their next paycheck is coming or if they'll be able to make rent, you would not think to say that at all. You would just not do it. But these people do it and they love doing it every single day. It's on autopilot for them. Just goes to show you who they're around. That's it. And one more point to that. We, most people are working class. I know we separate the working class and I am starting to talk about this more and more all across the country. If you work for a living, some people are at the top of that working class. But last time I checked, middle class people work too. I don't even know why we separate. There's some people at the bottom of that, some people in the middle of the working class. And there are some some people making six figures in the working class, but all are one or two health scares away, one or two paychecks away. Now, somebody in the upper echelons of the working class may be able to take the brunt of it, you know, absorb it a little better than somebody that's at the bottom rung of the working class. But ultimately, if you cannot afford to take six months or more off from work, you are in the working class. If one health scare would shake you up, you and your family, you are in the working class. So then your point about these people only talk to, this is a class issue. And okay, let's just lay this on out. And, and there, there's race laced into this, no doubt about it. But this is a class issue in most of these cable networks. And Crystal Ball talks about this all the time. There is no class analysis in what a lot of these people have to say, Dan. It doesn't. And your point about the audacity of him talking about other cable shows, he's one of them. Yeah, if anything, like, yeah, we need to make sure the middle class and the working class are inclusive, but also have to recognize that the middle, and this is not like a dig on you, but like it's also a recognition that I'm having that the middle class is shrinking. You have to have six figures in some places to barely That's scrape it. by in some areas because yes. costs of living and costs of the life are not matching up with what we're making. So, yeah, we're all working. A lot of us are, I mean, like pretty much everyone's at the top 1%, like you said, are working. There's a lot of unity yeah. in that, especially when you add class, race, uh, gender, sexuality, all of everything that um, makes intersectionality and makes the left wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's check out what uh, Representative Bulbert, it pains me to say that, but that's what she is, had to say about the deal. There is nothing real in this bill to enforce. In short, tomorrow's bill is a bunch of fake news and fake talking points that will do nothing to rein in out of control federal spending. If every Republican voted the way that they campaigned, they would vote against tomorrow's bad deal because this is the very thing that we all campaigned to put an end to. Now, I wish this chick meant bad deal in a sense that poorer people and other folks are going to be left out. But that's not what she means by bad deal. And I want everybody to remember this happened in 2011. Like we've been around the Marbury Bush before, we've been around the block, we've been to this rodeo. This headline right here Obama agreed to a $2.1 trillion in spending cuts to end 2011 debt ceiling crisis. Here's what happened next. So this is not how government should operate. Yet elected officials continue to get away with this because they know ultimately that there will be no consequences and repercussions. There won't be millions of people taken to the streets like they did in France, in the United States of America, unfortunately, yet. 
because we've been lullabied by the very people who are sent there to make government work for everyday people in this country. And I don't care how you, I don't, I don't care about your political affiliation. It could be from East Palestine all the way to Cleveland, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles. Don't matter to me, Des Moines, Iowa. The government is not functioning in a way that is supportive of the needs, the domestic needs of the everyday people in this country. I want you to wrap your mind around all that Dan and I said. Cuz hell, we could take the whole show talking about the debt ceiling, bringing out whiteboards, throwing up papers. I ain't through no papers yet. Let me go and throw some papers. While you wrap your mind around this, Dan and I will be right back. And we are back. Y'all know I'm in a sign mode. I sigh deeply. But your comments are gonna lift my spirits. Before we get to comments, just wanna thank TYT Mods for keeping the chat clean, safe, and fun. We appreciate you for doing that. And why don't you go ahead and become a member of TYT for just $4.99. You can help TYT continue to push our message. Now, $4.99 might not seem like a lot, but it is truly, truly, truly helpful to our network so that we can stay independent and bring you the progressive news that you need and that you so, so deserve. But we need you to be in this fight with us, $4.99. Why don't you go on and give somebody that? Just do it just because, it don't have to be a special day for them. Just go ahead and gift them a membership of TYT. Now, Pride, tune in to TYT's Pride special on Thursday, June the 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 5 p.m. PT time. We'll be joined by guest Daniel Franzese. Miranda Skull, Zoe Zephyr, Marissa Matthews, Benny Carrillo, and a whole host of other folks is gonna be hosted by John, our very own John, Dragon Daddy John himself, Adrian Lawrence, and they're gonna be discussing the biggest issues facing the LGBTQ plus community. Watch it on tyt.com slash live. And then lastly, you can get unbossed on your podcast, baby, wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and tune in to unbossed, listen to us. And you can get us on video on demand as well. All right, on to Twitch, cannot wait, Octu Squiddles, Squiddles. The party of fiscal responsibility wants the US to be a deadbeat and skip out on its debts. Cool, 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 great point. Again, we cannot emphasize enough that we're simply just trying to pay bills we've already incurred. Publics don't talk about that a lot. Late bloomer 66, as an elderly person at the age of 68 years old, I rely on social security benefits into which I have paid for many years and capitalized on many, as well as my pension, which I paid for in many years to survive. I'm also raising my 15 year old granddaughter. I've been angry at the US government for many different reasons over the years, but never as pissed as I am now. I agree with you late bloomer 66, well said, I'm pissed too. Onto YouTube super chat, Donald James X, hey Donald James X. That gets fired up passion from Nina and Dan from the internet. Thank you, Donald James X. Really, I could leap out of my seat right now, but um, the, the camera crew would not appreciate that at all. Uh, Christina Alyssa <laughs> uh, Brown, hey, and she has four purple hearts. Nina in my favorite color, hearts purple. 
Smiling faces with hearts. I love the glasses. Nina looks so beautiful. Oh, Christina, thank you. I needed to hear that today. I'm one of them, babe. You can tell me I'm looking beautiful. I don't mind. Brilliant and beauty goes hand in hand. I'm one of those. Tell me that. Okay. And Alexandria looking great, Miss Nina. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. See, y'all. Uh, I might throw some papers for good reasons, y'all. Y'all know what to say to a girl. Ooh, wee. An aggravated progressive. I needed a dose of Nina Turner, my comfort human. <laughs> Y'all, I got me a new nickname. I'm the comfort human. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love y'all so much. You just don't know how much I needed this today. I can't even begin to tell you. And I know everybody is going through so much. It doesn't matter. Just being human, you are going through some stuff. So I appreciate you pouring into me. I need it. My comfort human. Aggravated progressive. I'm gonna put that on my on my on my uh, mirror. <laughs> my post-it notes. I got black girl magic. <laughs> Believe to achieve. I'm gonna put Nina Turner is a comfort human. <laughs> Believe to achieve. That's a great one. <laughs> Believe to achieve. Now, TYT members, Mickey C, the silver haired dragon. Hey, Mickey C, there should never even have been negotiations. Okay. There was no reason for Biden to cave. All right. The Dems should have hit every news site condemning the Republicans for letting the US default. I know that's use the soapbox. That's what Dan and I was talking about. See, if Sister Turner was in that Congress, baby, I will give them a class one-on-one how to use the bully pulpit. I did it many times in the Ohio Senate, baby. They don't know how to do it. The Republicans do it very well. They do it for not, they don't do it for the right reasons, but the Democrats do not know how to use it. Jess, AKA Siphon Dragon, forget the pursuit of happiness. Now is the pursuit of survival. You know what, Jess, Jessa, I ain't got no more papers to throw. But you right about that, I love that. Forget the pursuit, we gonna use that. Forget the pursuit of happiness, now it's the pursuit of survival. And that's a damn shame, it shouldn't be like that in the United States of America. And cats and dragon, we got the dragon, the dragon squad is in full effect today. Even Raymond, even Raymond, I think they talking about Raymond noodles, is more expensive. And you know that's a damn shame. What the hell are we supposed to eat? Eggs are like $7, it's unbelievable, I live in an apartment. I can't have my own chicken. Ooh, cats and dragon, you messing with me right now. You telling the truth on that. When eggs cost more than chicken wings, we have a problem. And even though you know we kind of making light, we took a light moment with the comments. Thank you all so much for that. This is serious stuff, very serious. So we thank you all for, for tuning for your comments today. We appreciate you. Oh Lord, I'm gonna sigh deeply again. We moving on to Texas, Abbott voter suppression. The Texas GOP is at it again, and they're giving even more voting influence to Governor Greg Abbott. This headline right here, Texas GOP passes bills, bills, plural, allowing Abbott appointee to take over Democratic counties elections. You heard us right. Now here's what the bills are all about. And this is coming from Common Dreams. Thank you, Julia. Senate Bill 1933 passed on Sunday as the state's legislative session came to a close with lawmakers sending to GOP Governor Greg Abbott's desk a bill that could give Secretary of State Jane Nelson, who by the governor and confirmed by the state senate, the authority to run elections under circumstances in any county with more than 3.5 million residents. Won't y'all go and read that? Districts and counties that are diverse. Let's just 
tell it like it TI is, like it is. The legislation was passed two days after Senate Bill 1750, which also applies to counties above the population threshold and would abolish the nonpartisan county election administration administrator position. And this is especially significant for Harris County. Harris County, which President Joe Biden won by 13 points in 2020, is the only county in Texas with a population above 3.5 million, making both bills apply only to its elections. Skip, put Dan up. I want y'all to keep that up. Let's just go ahead and cut through the bull. This is about Harris County, which is more diverse. It's more of color and it got all kinds of other diversity swirled up in that county. So because they couldn't just target because they cowards, they couldn't just say that this applies only to Harris County in the law. They dress that thing up, they put lipstick on the pig, but it's still a pig. This is about this diverse county that goes for Democrats and they wanna be able to control it. Dan. It's so brazen too. It's like they literally, they might as well have said, if the county rhymes with Paris, like it just, it's the only one with 3.5 million. And yeah, that's a particular, I guess, population's like a second week of law school kind of way of doing it because if anywhere else like that, Texas has a lot of blue urban centers. Anyone else like that's gonna get there by population, which means now the nonpartisan election commissioner that used to take um, control of Texas elections or like oversee them is out. And a political appointee from a Republican, Greg Abbott, who was upset that his party doesn't have authoritarian control over the state of Texas is in. And again, that's specifically targets blue areas, specifically targeting Harris County. It's a shame because it seems like for a Lone Star Freedom or Die Texas is just taking away more and more rights every single week. And the hypocrisy of these Republicans. Again, freedom, liberty, all of that. Meanwhile, they use their power to limit freedom. Do you understand this? Can you, can you, can you, does this compute for the people joining us today? Limiting freedom, limiting the voice of the people like a good authoritarian would. They just not calling it that. What did Shakespeare say once? What's in the name? A rose by any other name smells just as sweet. But let me just go and put some turnerism on it. What's in a name BS by any other name? It don't smell sweet. It's stinking the place up. And this is what these people are doing. They're using power in the most rotten way. Because if they can't win straight up, they just gonna change the rules. If I can't beat you straight up, I'll just change the rules. And how can I change the rules? Well, I got the power to change the rules. Shame on Democrats for not looking at governor's mansions and state legislatures and competing in these state legislatures more firmly and fiercely. Because this is really where a lot of ground is being lost in this country. Because where there are GOP governors and GOP controlled legislatures, baby, all hell is breaking loose. And people's rights are being taken away. So no, this don't smell sweet at all. Now here's a map of Harris County for, for reference since you know, Dan and I talking about this county, let's just go ahead and put it up so you can see it. That's it, Harris County map. And we know who they're targeting, it's very clear. They, they, they being blatant with they stuff. They ain't seeking bipartisanship like these damn weak Democrats do all the time. They don't need bipartisan. If they got 100% or not 100% but full control like super majority control, they just doing whatever they decide they wanna do. Then that's how this is happening. Harris County Judge Lena Hidalago 
uh, tweeted the following. This is what she tweeted. The, the two Texas election subversion bills have now passed. They remove Harris County's nonpartisan election administrator and empower a Republican state official to micromanage elections in Texas largest Democratic county. This is a shameless power grab and dangerous precedent. That's it, Judge. That's it. Lay it out there. That's exactly what this is. And this continues a string of recent repressive voting restrictions by the GOP. They using this power. Check out this headline from two weeks ago. Texas Republicans push new voting restrictions aimed at Houston. The bills propose limits on polling places, tougher penalties for illegal voting, and a way for Republican-led state to order new elections in the largest city. And let me remind folks as we bring Dan in. Most people, first of all, states have laws in place already to deal with election fraud. Election fraud is not rampant. People just not do, it's not rampant. And if somebody does, there are laws on the books to penalize people. It is This is a red herring too, Dan, to make people think that folks are just sitting up here impersonating people to be able to vote. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. You can usually teach this to kids, but it's not election fraud just because you lose. And unfortunately, you're seeing this in Texas, you're seeing this in Jackson, Mississippi, where states are now going into predominantly Democrat, predominantly black areas, or areas with people of color they want to marginalize, and taking away their individual sovereignty. These are all the states' rights people. And yeah, the last thing is that there will never be any kind of consequence on the Republican side for not trying to be bipartisan. That's just an excuse, that that's just an attack that's used on Democrats. When the Republicans aren't acting bipartisan, Republicans go, good, yeah, it's a zero sum game and we wanna win. But then Democrats do it and it's like, hey, hey, we're a country, people disagree, come on. That's just a power tactic so they can still get what they want to. So yeah, it's frustrating. Very much so. We will keep you all posted, but democracy is being attacked right now. Right now, your hair should be on fire. This is not an exaggeration. This is not a fire drill, okay? The drilling is over, it's happening. Democracy is on fire right now. The question becomes, what are we? What are we, what are we the people gonna do about it? Are we gonna continue to be complicit in our own demise? Or are we gonna stand up to these people, these power grabbing folks? And I'm talking to every, it don't matter what side of the ledger you are on. You should want democracy, this representative democracy to work. And it doesn't work when people power grab like this. Stay tuned, we, we gonna stay on this. Oh, Let me go on to the sanctimonious, I sigh deeply again. I will destroy the left, this is a direct quote from him. I want you to take a look at this. Because the, everyone knows if I'm the nominee, I will beat Biden uh, and I will serve two terms and I will be able to uh, destroy leftism in this country and leave woke ideology on the dustbin of history. This dude right here, let me just get this off my chest. I had to go find some papers to throw. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and do this. First of all, this dude can't even, he ain't even gonna get out of the primary. Because former President Donald J. Trump is mopping the floor up with this genius whose launch was a total failure on Twitter spaces. Talking about if he is. So this man, and Republicans, I'm really talking to you, the few Republicans, like the five Republicans that may be watching this show. This is, I'm talking to you. The man does not have a vision to provide provision for the people of this nation. What he's running on is destroying the left, not lifting the people, not helping small businesses, not, 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 not the five free, none of that. The four freedoms, none of that. 
It is to destroy the left. This man is a joke. Now to my progressives and the five bunch brunch people that may be watching this. This man under no circumstances should become president of the United States of America. You see the havoc that he is wreaking on the great state of Florida that used to be the sunshine state. But it ain't nothing but doom and gloom and misery in that state right now because of this dude who fighting with Disney, trying to box with Mickey and Minnie and Daisy and Donald and Goofy and everybody else. What grown man fights Disney? This is what I want y'all to ask. Okay, so he talking about if he the nominee, he can't even get past Donald J. Trump. Now let that wrap around your mind right here, this dude right here. But he went on to acknowledge the damage that he has already done in the great state of Florida because he's proud of it. Watch and listen to this. At the end of the day, I've shown in Florida an ability to win huge swaths of voters that Republicans typically can't win while also delivering the boldest agenda anywhere in the country. And I think there's a reason why the legacy media is attacking me more than they're attacking anybody else, because I think they realize that if I'm successful in winning the Republican nomination, we're going to bring it home in the general election. And I've pledged to Republican voters, if you nominate me, I will be taking the oath of office on January 20th, 2025 on the west side of the Capitol. No excuses, no more excuses about why we can't get it done. We need to get it done and I will get it done. This dude, this dude right here, the reason why people are coming after him because he's dangerous. He ain't got no vision, none at all. Florida, please don't do this to us. Now, let's a reminder, he says freedom out of, out of his mouth, but everything that this man has done heretofore in the great state of Florida has been to erode freedom, a rampage of absolute power corrupting absolutely. You look that up, you see the picture of Governor Ron DeSantis. The Sant is AKA the sanctimonious. Let's go and put this up. Extreme legislation from this dude right here, because that's all he is. Sweeping election package, six week abortion ban, concealed carry without a permit. Just go and get a gun and just walk around and do what you do. Eliminating unanimous jury decisions for death penalty, restricting transgender Floridians, access to treatment and bathrooms, sweeping crackdown on immigration, limiting China's influence in Florida, defunding DEI programs at all state universities. I mean, the man has gone mad. I mean, there's maybe one thing on this list that you know I, I might take a deeper look at. But other than that, which is absolutely running the trying to run the school system there. Something wrong with this man, wasting millions of dollars of the taxpayers' money, messing with migrants. We do need to deal with immigration. The Congress and, and sub administrations have failed greatly. That needs to be dealt with. With, but you don't deal with it by putting migrants on a bus or a plane and wasting taxpayers' dollars in Florida and using these people as a political pawn. The man is immoral, he is dangerous, and he must never be president of the United States of America. Dad, I know we only got a few more minutes left, but go ahead, baby, do what you do. No, absolutely. Like, it's, it's weird because, on the one hand, Ron DeSantis is just a powerfully un, he's just an unskilled politician. I can't, I've never. 
I pay attention to politics. You know, politics is you know fun for some people, boring for others. But I've never heard someone describe an election victory. And on January 25th, 2025, it's gonna be me driving in a black suburban, and I'm gonna make it onto the West Wing of the White House. We're gonna be the like. It's, don't let that fool you. Don't let that he is the most like profoundly boring politician to come out of the right wing for you, even though he's. Ignoring what you know, Florida actually needs these other like economic crises, these social crises that he's just exacerbating and putting ghastly on the fire of. You have the fact that this battle of leftism, wanting to eradicate leftism, as um other commentators are rightly pointing out now, there's a direct line between that ideology and what happened in the 1940s in Germany. What's happening in other um, neo-Nazi regimes that have risen up in, throughout history over the past couple of years. So it's very dangerous. Ron DeSantis has to be very far away from office, as does Donald Trump, which is why you cannot, you should not claim you're on the left and be like, oh, I'm just going to sit this one out, or oh, I, I guess the Republicans aren't that bad. No, no, there's <laughs> this is very bad. It is, and both of them. I mean, I don't agree with either one of them. I frankly believe that the Sanctus, aka DeSantis, I did that in reverse, is more dangerous than Donald J. Trump. He's doing stuff right now in real time to show us exactly what he would do as president. He would do even more than that. But you're right, both of them we got to be concerned about. Oh, American freedom and guns. Not even a holiday can we escape the gun violence in this country. Just violence all around, political violence, gun violence. Take a look. At least nine people, including a one-year-old, hurt in a shooting on Hollywood Beach Boardwalk there. Cameras catching the moment just after the shots were fired, the crowds were fleeing that scene. Well, this comes at the end of a Memorial Day weekend, sadly marred by violence. At least 16 people killed, dozens more injured in a series of shootings across the U.S. We a sick nation, really. And this fascination with guns, it plays itself out every single day. And it doesn't matter holidays or not, this is what is happening. And these shootings happen in very public places. So all of us are impacted. None of us, we can run, but we can't hide. You could be at a grocery store, you could be at a bank, you could be driving down the street, you could be walking down the street. Nobody is going is escaping this. So the gun violence occurred at beaches, high schools, motorcycle rallies, among other locations across at least eight states. The victims were teenagers to people in their 60s. So this is hitting all folks. As for the shootings in Florida, they left nine injured. Police said an altercation between two groups led to the violence with all nine victims hospitalized in unknown conditions and the possibility that children were among the injured. A person of interest was detained and a suspect was sought. Hollywood police spokesperson Deanna said at a nighttime news conference. So this is coming that no against. They don't care who they killing and shooting. This is problematic America. And again, this seems to be business as usual. Reports of shooting dotted the rest of the US through the total, though the total number does not appear to be an outlier for a holiday weekend. The US averages about 57 gun related homicides per day, according to a Pew Research Center analysis. Now, as we look at the map from gun violence archives, it's another stark reminder of how prevalent gun violence is. We should not be comfortable with this. We had gun violence happen right here in my in my home area. This, I mean, we we talk about it and then just go back to business as usual. And if you want something done from elected officials, don't ask Republicans. This headline from March. 
After mass shootings, Republicans expanded gun access. In states around the country, Republican lawmakers are pushing laws to expand the ability to own and carry firearms. Dan, if firearms made us safer, then we should be the safest nation, industrialized nation on the face of the earth. Same, if cops made us safer, if prisons made us safer, we have more of that than everything else. But just every time I go over to you know Europe or outside of the country or even Canada, and all my friends tease me about, hey, aren't you glad to be in a country where you're not like chancing being shot just by walking outside? It's a morbid joke, but like that is unfortunately how we are being seen. And last thing is, this is really important. Ron DeSantis just months ago, we just had this past weekend of Memorial Day where you had that shooting on the boardwalk. Just months ago, he passed permitless concealed carry in Florida. Yeah. You don't even need a permit. That's like permitless driving. That's it that's ridiculous. But at least with driving, there are feasibly a lot of other things you could do with a car other than murder. So um these Republicans are very dangerous. They are taking a scary situation in this country and making it much worse. And yeah, unfortunately we just have to be vigilant about it. Yeah, we do. And I I, I just don't understand what it is about the second amendment. You know, this whole that is absolute that it is somehow more important than any other amendment to the constitution and or the whole foundational premise of this nation forming a more perfect union right all of this rhetoric beautiful rhetoric because if we lived up to it it would be a hell of a thing i want to see us live up to forming a more perfect union or the pursuit of life liberty and happiness how can you get life liberty and happiness if we got to deal with gun violence i just don't get it yeah, it's impossible. I, just, I don't. Well, uh, sisters and brothers, family and friends, that is our time on the show today. What is going to happen? We gave you a lot to think about. Again, so great to have Dan here to unpack a lot of this. You guys, please continue the conversations in your households and in your communities. Even though we gave you this news, what is reality today? I want you to know does not have to be the reality tomorrow. We all have an obligation to make the places and spaces that we occupy better. And we have an obligation to hold our elected leaders accountable. We do. So let's get to doing that. Let's take a page out of our Francis book. Let's take to the streets, make some demands, and make sure there are consequences. You know what I want you to do. I want you to keep faith always, always. But with that faith, baby, we got to have a whole lot of fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.